So if you're giving feedback, positive, negative, celebrating the wins together, recognizing when it missed the mark, talking about it in real time, they're going to be more receptive. And um, also asking them, hey, can you give me some feedback? How am I doing? Because then that gives you a chance to model what receiving feedback looks like. And ultimately, all of this is about increasing trust in the partnership with your assistant. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Empire Life podcast. I'm Allison Ramsey, your host. And at Empire Life, we mentor female founders in scaling their online empires. And this is the Empire Life podcast. And today, we have Amber L. Gray as our special guest. And she's the founder and CEO of Trusty Oak, which is a US-based virtual assistant firm where leaders give back five plus hours while learning how to delegate effectively. And I'll hand it over to her to intro herself a little bit more. Thanks so much, Allison. Yes, uh, we are in the business of helping people get things off their plate. Um, I started started the company out of a need uh, for myself to find better work-life balance and not uh, burn myself out. And so I thought, you know what, instead of just solving this problem for myself, I'd really love to create work opportunities that are more flexible for people all over. And so uh, launched in 2015, and now we have around 60 virtual assistants. I was the first virtual assistant when I started, but now uh, we've grown. And uh, last year was our first year with a seven-figure revenue number. So uh, we're, we're climbing and hoping to continue that momentum as we go into the next year, too. Wow. that That's a huge milestone. Congratulations. That's, Thank I mean, you. we're celebrating you too. That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's one of those, I think we all put that number in our head, like that would, that would be the one. <laughs> and so you, you think you, oh, I, I remember thinking I could do that in two years. I think I could do that. And it took me eight, but that's okay. Cause I learned so much along the way and, uh, you know, still have big plans to keep it going. Yeah. So we actually started around that time too, at the end of 2015, and I can't believe it's coming up on almost 10 years, huh? Yeah, it's For wild. both of us. Yeah, it's Time it's flies, wild. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to calculate the other day, someone asked me, but like, how many years total have you been in business? Like from your first official company, it's like, I think 15, because I started mm -hmm. in 2008, like the first official mm -hmm. LLC. But I want to dive right in <clears throat> and ask you about what kind of challenges you've overcome in Trusty Oak, it could be about, you know, we're going to dive, if you're listening to this at the beginning, we're going to dive way more into delegation and burnout, which are huge topics that come up with both of our clients and in the in our fields. I'm wondering if they relate to that or if something personal you want to share. Yeah, well, there's been, you know, there's a long list of challenges I, I could talk about, but more recently uh, this year, I've really struggled in like this mental fog a little bit of like, okay, like I mentioned, we hit this really big milestone number last year and I wanted to keep that momentum going, go, go bigger, you know, go to 1.5, maybe 1.4. I was really looking to keep growing and to be transparent about it. We didn't see that kind of growth. We've held the line. Um, I've been calling this a deep roots year because I feel like we have done a lot of growing in, you know, towards our values, our purpose, like some of those things that really matter for long-term success, but it's not really showing in our trusty oak on the, you know, the top part of the tree of things. And a lot of that has been for me um, just kind of like I'm learning as I go. I did not start a business before 2015. I've, I was an employee. I didn't go to college. 
um, I was a pharmacy technician for 11 years. I wasn't even in the business space and using a computer for a lot of things. So I've had to learn a lot and learn it really quickly. And once I got to this new level, it was sort of like, okay, now what? How do I continue to do this? And we, we've we been pretty dependent on referrals, which is amazing to be able to grow a business like that from referrals. But um, I realized now I need to learn more about marketing, sales strategies, addressing culture, whenever you've got all of these rapid growth things, you know, lots of things moving around at once. And so for me this year, the biggest challenge to overcome was just was really inside me and in, in my mental, my own mental health, but also in um, not giving up whenever things weren't going like I wanted them to. And what I learned in, in that challenge was that I needed to double down on my commitment to delegate. And I mean, that's my, that's the thing I talk about is delegation. I really, you know, I'm a huge proponent for it, but even for myself, it's something that I have to constantly work on developing that skill. And I realized this year that I could delegate more and give myself time to think because that's something that I think leaders don't have enough time to do. We're making decisions so quickly in these transition points in life. And sometimes that isn't enough time. We need to be able to really step back and realize, okay, how does this connect to my bigger picture goal? And so I had to have trusted people in place to take the business where I wanted to go so that I could step back and do that. And it was like a fog lifted whenever I was able to just take some time to let my mind roam around on the th- on the problems and to to figure things out. And now I'm feeling motivated again and still only working a about one day a week in the business and the rest of the days, it's all about strategy and creating content and, you know, really upping my game on the marketing side of things. Those are great strategies. I love everything that you said there because I have also noticed when you give yourself that space, that time to think that you allow for creativity. And I was listening to a new audio book called The Laws of Human Nature and it's it was it's incredible. He was also talking about the that space. Well, being able to look, take a step back, and then look at the big picture, we allow for more ideas and more different avenues to come to us to then be able to decide instead of okay, I just see this one clear path and I don't really have the time to think much deeper about it. I'm choosing that one. Sometimes that works out, but sometimes in hindsight as we get more experienced, right, as you're talking about, and more money is coming in, and we have more responsibilities with all these people on our team, it -hmm. makes a lot of difference to take that time and the space. And I think too, especially what I've seen in a lot of my clients, and even myself, I struggle with is not feeling guilty that I'm not doing anything. I think that could be a misconception that you are doing something if you allow that space, because that's when great ideas or new ideas, new avenues, new ways of doing things. And maybe you've never seen that online, but yeah, then you try I, it and it works. I I love what you're saying about that because that that is really describing what what happened to me this year because I was finding myself doing busy work because I felt like I need to be doing something. I'm not I'm not doing anything to make the business better and grow. And what am I supposed to do with all this time? I've delegated some things and I have time. And I found myself doing the kind of the dopamine hit thing where it's like, what's on Slack, what's on email. And, you know, I was just sort of like scattered and not really 
being effective and I didn't want to waste time and not work. But I realized actually that's what I needed to do was to take more walks, um, you know, spend some time and thought, listen to more audiobooks. All of that stuff is really powerful for us when we have the time and space to do it. And that is work for business owners. We're, we're in, it's an intellectual sport for us is the way I see it. And so if we have some time to think, yes. that's actually good work to be doing. Yes. And I'm thankful I'm with a partner or my husband respects that a lot. He knows mm. um, I'm quote unquote doing something. Likewise. <laughs> and yeah. Yes. That it, it's not like you have to be busy all the time. And I've definitely caught myself doing that too. Um, I'll give a good example. Like we have a really successful blog and that attracts most of the visitors, which is like in the billions to our website is mostly to the blog. And we have right now, I think 20,000 unapproved comments. And it just goes up like every day, it goes up by maybe 10,000. And I have now hired somebody. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's like mind blowing to even think about that. That is mind blowing. <laughs> I've hired somebody to help me with that because I noticed I was doing that every time I got a free moment is mm-hmm. going in and improving comments. And like you said, it was is a dopamine hit because there's a lot of really positive affirmational <laughs> comments, if that's a word. Mm-hmm. And I, I get a lot of joy in it. And I can, though, like letting that go and realizing if I'm paying someone to do it, I don't need to do it. I don't need to keep tabs on her doing it. She can let me know at the end of the month how many she approved and she takes a screenshot and sends that to me towards the end of the month for me to pay her for it. And I can go back and I can read those comments or I can comment on them myself Mm -hmm. if I felt inclined to. There's also a person on my team who answers a lot of the comments as well. And I mean, a lot of the blog comments, like Mm -hmm. they reply on after they approve it. So that's a perfect example, but it's still, I am like, I'm tricking my mind that every time I get a frame all and I still think I need to go and do that, or I need to go and check it. Like, is she really doing them? And that's just a whole process of <laughs> letting it go. Or how is she answering them? Because we tend, I, mean, I, I will speak from experience. I tend to think, oh, I'm going to do it a little better, but it's not, that's not always the truth. If I train an expert, which we have, I think I counted uh, about six experts on our team right now, and we're always hiring more people that they often will do it better than I can, especially if Mm -hmm. I'm in a rush and I'm like, I just need to get, you know, 60 blog comments approved all right now. And it's not joyous. Even if I tell myself that it's joyous, it's not super joyous for me to sit down and do that. Like you said, it's not giving space to then think creatively, brainstorm, strategize. I I think we sometimes forget how important that work is. It's easy to to see the value of those tactical things that have to be done day to day. But there's there's also this stuff that's a little bit harder to quantify and that's so valuable. Thinking time. It is. I would love for somebody to help me manage my emails because I still, that's one thing I still kind of feel that I need to personally go in and and manage them. Like right Mm -hmm. now for our podcast that we're talking on, I get about three applications a day, which is incredible. 
but that mm -hmm. is back and forth of, okay, now you fill out the application and I looked over it and you're a good fit or you're not a good fit. And then I give them the booking link, but all that's like little micro time, right? Mm -hmm. Throughout the day. And like you said, I'm always thinking, well, how can I, how can I offload or how can I delegate that better? Is that worth? And I know that that's worth delegating. Yeah. I mean, we have to, we have to decide what we're doing with that free time. And that's, that's sometimes the challenge like that we're talking about here. Uh, but delegating those, those are lower level tasks. Those aren't revenue generating. Those aren't strategic. Um, those are necessary things for the business operations, but um, those are definitely tasks to be delegated so that you can focus on the high value work that uh, either billable time or, you know, something that is really showcasing your expertise and putting your unique talent to play because um, there's something that only you can do and it's not approving blog comments, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you you would think that that's easy to tell yourself, but it's, it's just one of those things. It's like such a, a mindset shift to not be busy, you know, especially in American culture. Like that's a badge mm -hmm. of honor that I have so much work to do. I'm so busy. Yeah, I've actually, I'm, I'm thinking of, there was a client that told us that in her, she's a, a consultant and she's shared that it's sort of a ba badge of, I think she might've used that phrase, a badge of honor to have an assistant, because that means, oh, you're so busy that you need an assistant. So that's actually like a status sign in some ways. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of people think of an assistant as a luxury and like, oh, I, you know, I've made it, I've got an assistant. But the reality is that if you can start utilizing an assistant before you think you need one or that it's like you've made it and you're in that luxury state if we ever get there um it really is impactful and and a way to reach your goals because that for me I mean I I was the first VA but I started hiring VAs right away I was delegating my own marketing a lot of the things that I knew I wouldn't have time to do because I needed to go pound the pavement as they say and I was out there networking making connections I was you know new business owner no one knew about me so I I needed to do that and there were other things that needed to be done on the tech side of things which I was capable of but a uh, much better much smarter move for me to delegate that even when I was small and didn't really have a lot of revenue to be able to do that but I was trading my time for that person's time. And it worked really well to be able to to move things faster than I would have had I tried to do it all myself. Yeah. So that, that was a huge lesson that I learned in the first two companies. I tried to do it all myself. And yeah. my second company actually had a co-founder and they were also within the same mindset of we don't really need that. We can do that ourselves. We can bootstrap everything. And taking that experience into empire life was like, okay, I'm going to have a mentor or mentors as I proceed through this business. Even from the beginning, I'm going to try to find a great VA. I don't know what that looks like because I've never had one instead of like entering a new universe. Mm -hmm. And I would love to have a house manager in the future who's helping me to delegate different kind of services to make sure that they get paid and they have tip, they get tipped and are treated well. And it's just, Absolutely. There's, there's so many, it's like you said about the VA or an assistant is like one step towards then making a new goal 
Yeah, we, we, we free up time to do something bigger. And it's, you know, we're able to go bigger every time. And our our goals are going to change as we level up. And, and really, the way we think that mindset is the biggest part about delegation. If we don't have the right mindset about it, it is natural for us to want to get that dopamine hit. Like our brains are actually working against us because there's the dopamine thing, but there's also uh, you're, when you're task switching, you're getting stuck on things. You're, if you're, oh, that only takes me two minutes to do. But now you've distracted yourself from this other thing. And when you're going back and forth, you're really losing a lot of time that is hard for us to even really realize. You, we all have days where we look up and go, I had two meetings on my calendar, but what did I do today? Because, you know, that's, and that's the reason for that is because a lot of times we are switching tasks too frequently. And it's just, it's, we can't be productive that way. And so the the more you can reduce the times you have to switch tasks, that's where real productivity is going to come in and, and really become powerful for you. That That's very difficult for me. I, th- I think that I can do all the things at once and have all the balls up in the air. And I, I definitely need to remind myself of that, uh, the task switching. I've, I've heard about that before. And I try to time block as best I can mm-hmm. with say, some days being like more extroverted and some days being more introverted, which is like introverted task of looking at the internal team and how's everybody doing? Is everyone mm-hmm. doing what they're supposed to and having internal communication or any kind of admin tasks that need to be handled and the extroverted days like client meetings and podcast recordings. And But I still catch myself it, doing reels. I have a person on my team who's a social media manager, but I still feel like I need to do some reels. And I don't <laughs> I, really. I, I do it too. I do it too. Yeah. yeah. We have someone that does, does all of that for trusty Oak, but then I have my own account and I thought, well, I should, I should make something too. And it just seems easier if I do it right now, cause I have a vision for what I want. And so, yeah, it, I mean, I don't think that it's, it's not easy. That's why so many of us struggle with it. It is you know, we can find little ways to justify keeping things like they are. But when you have a big vision for your future, you've got big goals, this is necessary to get there. And so we have to start letting go of what's comfortable and, and literally letting go task too. <laughs> yes. Well, every Sunday, I'm not allowed. Well, but I personally have like a social detox, social media, online detox day. So I don't check my email. And there's people on my team who are looking at things even on Sunday so they could potentially handle it or they know that I'm not going to be online on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I think that allows me to maybe even slightly carry it into Monday or, you know, roll into Mm -hmm. Tuesday even. And I, all of a sudden, as I get better at it, I sometimes forget, oh, I haven't been on social media for like three days. I, I probably should. I could like check, you know, Facebook for a few minutes. So I think it's a muscle that we need to work on. I totally agree. Not an easy one to flex, but we've got to work on it. It's not an easy one for sure. And do you have a morning routine, Amber? I do. This is something I'm pretty nerdy about. (laughs) (laughs) At least I think I am. It's gotten, I feel like it's gotten kind of excessive, but it works for me and it really has made such a difference. Um, it includes um, a Notion template. I don't know if you're fam- familiar or use yes, Notion. Yes, I love app Notion. Notion. 
Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. Gotten more comfortable in it, particularly for personal use. It's I don't use it as much for work, but I have it I, on my iPad. So it's like, this is my personal journal and, you know, just tracker of, of sorts. And it's different from my laptop. So it makes it a little bit easier to have that physical separation for me. But um, I have a template where I'm tracking all these things, my sleep, um, I don't drink alcohol. So I'm always, you know, tracking how many days that I haven't been drinking, exercises that I need to do, whether I went to the chiropractor, et cetera, and I'm setting intentions and I'm writing what I'm grateful for. And then I might journal a little bit about what's happening that day. And sometimes I'll revisit it. I actually, I, I revisit it in the evening where I'm updating, you know, how I was feeling in the evening and whatever else might've happened. And try to throw some pictures in there. And and for me, just having a little bit of a, having a tracker, it sounds like kind of, I guess, constraining it to some people. But for me, it's helpful because I can better understand why I'm feeling a certain way. If I, if it's, you know, maybe I need to look at my trends, like, okay, did I have good sleep for these, the last few weeks, if maybe that's why I'm not feeling 100% or, you know, whatever, I can kind of look back and, and read more into what's been going on in my life and realize, oh, okay, that's not something I should keep doing. It's not, you know, I'm, I can see that it's producing a different kind of uh, result than what I'm looking for. So for me, the morning routine is about a couple of hours of you know, taking it slow, really getting my head right, walking with my dog, um, really lightweight stuff, but also making sure I know what my plan is for today. You know, intentions like I'm going to be fully present for a podcast interview. And and I actually, I'm in a wedding later today and I have a best woman speech. And so it's like, today yeah. is my extrovert day all the way. I had yes. a town hall <laughs> with the virtual assistants earlier. And so those days I need to feel a certain way. And so yes. taking that time this morning really made a big difference for me. About what time do you wake up or do you need to wake up to to get a lot of those things in? Yeah, usually, usually about 6.15. I, my goal is to be at my desk no later than nine, which I know sounds very luxurious for a lot of people. But again, the power of delegation to be able to to come into things and, and be ready to work and feel like I've had my time before jumping in. Uh, we have a daily huddle with the team uh, at 10, 13 AM. So I've got plenty of time to kind of get my head right before I jump into meetings. And I do also limit the days that I'm having meetings. Usually on Tuesday, I, it's a zoom block all the way down my calendar. Yeah. But then the other days are free to do these other things. Yeah. Right now on Tuesday and Thursday, I, I, I love your idea about the one day a week of really working in the business and leaving a lot of space for brainstorming, yeah. creativity, and the things you need to get done for you, you know, wellness, chiropractor visits. Mm-hmm. Um, we just tried uh, ozone therapy, and that's been Uh-oh. really what interesting. Uh, it's where, so it, it was for my daughter. So I personally tried it, but it was really, had a really good uh, lasting effect for her. Uh, they, <clears throat> first you get the, what is that called? Saline into your veins and then the they drop the bag and the bag fills with your blood and then they infuse ozone like o3 into the bag oh so and then they shake it a little bit so it's like it changes color a little bit it's it just looks really vibrant and then you can also get additions like pushes they call it into the bag like magnesium or trace minerals 
vitamin C, depending on your specific need. And, and that's it. And then you get the blood put back into you. Wow. That's, that's cool. I do. Um, there's a place called restore hyper wellness where yeah, I do I think IV infusions. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. Think, I'm pretty sure that they offer the ozone. Oh, they may. I, I remember hearing about that. Yeah. Well, every, every now and then I'll get an IV if I'm feeling kind of low, like energy and stuff, I'll do that. Or I'll do, um, cryotherapy sometimes. And I love the infrared sauna. That's my, I, I try to get in there once a week where I just sweat amazing. and I, I put an audio book on and suffer for 30 minutes. And then I feel amazing. <laughs> Do you have one in your house or you go, you go somewhere? No, no. Restore has one. And oh, so, nice. yeah. Okay. And so I can just, yeah, they, you can <clears throat> rent it out for, you know, the hour or whatever. So just getting on the schedule. That is so great. Oh, you said, Oh, you rent it out. Okay. Yeah, it's so not you, necessarily you like a, in your membership, but yeah, it's rent. it's it is part of the membership. It's okay. uh, not, I guess, renting is probably the wrong way to say it, but it's part of the membership. And I just book and say this is reserved for me. Um, for the, that's incredible. Period. Yeah, I have a goal of making. Well, actually, we've already started it. Started the the ball rolling of making, and I know it sounds like really extra but I tend to be kind of extra on a lot of things. <laughs> but we're making a spa room in our house and I just kind of started the ball rolling with, I got a rug and, you know, nice chair and, and some art. And I would like to eventually put a sauna in there and maybe sound bowls and mm. learn, learn how to do sound bowls. I've done them a few times before. I don't know exactly how to do them. Uh, but I would love to do that in the morning <clears throat> and maybe have a a person in the future when we have more expendable, some more expendable income. We had a person coming to do some kind of like kind of like massage therapy to our house at one point, And we need to find another massage therapist. But we, I would like to have a table there to have like a massage therapist on staff for I love my it. family. <laughs> so these are all... <laughs> It's, it's the ball is rolling and it's going to happen, but it's, I'm not putting a lot of pressure on it. It's kind of as things unfold. Yeah, no, I, I, I love all of that stuff. Like I'm a little extra too, I guess, because um, <laughs> I'm drawn to trying those things. I, I read something recently about the salt floats, um, the float. It's like a float bath where you can feel weightless, like in the Dead Sea but you can wow. go do it in Austin or wherever they have these Very little cool. pods. You can go do it. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've looked into it. I think I want to try that. So yeah, I don't know. These are all know little, what you think. Yeah, I will. Yeah. It's, it's just, you know, little ways to take care of ourselves and get our, like, take care of the mental health as well as our bodies. But I feel like that's um, primary, you know, we're going to be more effective if we can yes. be well. Yeah. <laughs> and as people scale, I think they have to look at that because health is wealth. And if you feel good, you're going to tend to be able to be more productive, a better leader. And if you don't look at your health and you're in pain, it's just, it's hard not to become bitter or resentful, uh, easily angered. Spiral. <laughs> yeah. It's a spiral effect. And, and that brings me to the next question about like, how do you feel like you handle resistance when it comes up for you? A lot of the things we've talked about, I would say just getting in the right headspace. Um, but also I'm a big fan of this concept from Ryan Holiday. Um, he's got a book called The Obstacle is the Way. It's stoicism at its root, but essentially 
believing that things that are in my way and obstacle in my path is actually there to guide me in the right direction. It's part of the story. It's, you know, not something that I should um, despise, but really look at it from what can I, what can I learn and how, how is the best way to get around this or over this, or uh, maybe I need to take a different path altogether. So uh, I try to view resistance as a gift and really look for at least some kind of lesson in it. Um, and maybe a redirection in some cases. All of that is is so true. I mean, it's, I try to tell myself this too shall pass or the only way on the other side is through, like to, mm. to go through it and figure out what needs to happen and that it can only get better from here. I can only learn from this. And I, I feel like that comes back to the mindset that we were talking about. It's so much of what we do, uh, even though we, we, we think so much about what we're actually doing, but there's more to us than what we're doing with our hands, with our mouths, you know, all of, all the things we bring to the world. There's just a lot going on inside too. And so we need to find ways to manage that and to understand it and to, to really just to have eyes on what's happening inside and why we're doing certain things. So asking a lot of questions for like looking internal, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe more um, internal than a lot of people are comfortable with. But for me, it's been helpful just to, just to better understand what I really want and why I'm doing something. Cause oftentimes I'll realize, Hey, this isn't even a, in a line with the big picture of where you're going. So stop making such a big deal out of something. <laughs> well, that's so true. I was reading something recently about how, our feelings, when we analyze our feelings, it kind of, it disempowers them in a way. Maybe mm-hmm. we're having a strong feeling about, or let's say anger, we're feeling angry about something. When we analyze and ask ourselves those questions or the inner work, like you were mm-hmm. saying, like, why, why did this make me angry? Is there something about this person that I find off-putting? And why do I find that off-putting? And that kind of disarms all of the feelings we might be having in that moment to take yeah. a step back. And it's good. Yeah. It's really great. It's definitely something I do. And it, I think it helps people to stay more grounded or calm. I don't know if it's necessarily compartmentalizing. I, I wouldn't say that because I think you're still a person mm. still dealing with it. You're just, you're analyzing it more so and not letting it have, not letting it like take over your whole day is I remember I used to see comments sometimes that weren't the most positive on social media. And sometimes that would affect me for the next three hours. I I get that. Yeah. (laughs) But it's like, like, I feel like what we're talking about is mindfulness. Honestly, it's, you know, it's, it's just being mindful of what we're doing, thinking, feeling, and using that, like you said, harnessing it to to move forward and to really achieve more. I've never been that type of person until probably more recently. I mentioned not drinking alcohol. I'm almost to the year mark in two two weeks, I think. Uh, I didn't really set, set out to be, oh, let me quit drinking. I was just doing it as an experiment for three months to be able to run a half marathon. I thought, let me see how this helps my body if I also cut this out. And so I did that, but I got injured and wasn't able to complete my training and the race. But I thought, well, I'll at least keep this part of the commitment. And then when I got to the end of the three months, I realized how great I was feeling. And I was using an app called Reframe that was teaching me about mindfulness. Yeah, it's called Reframe Mm -hmm. App. 
And I didn't, I had never been exposed to that before. I've, I've actually never really seen a therapist or anything like that. And so this was sort of like my therapist in a pocket, I guess. And it was helping me learn about this. And the more I did it, the better I felt and benefits kept coming. And so I decided to just do it indefinitely. So I don't know if it's a forever thing for me, but right now it's, you know, it's working for me. I feel so much better and more aware and have a better memory of, you know, the conversations I have and just feel more connected to the people in my life now. Wow. I mean, I feel, I mean, I have a lot to say about alcohols. I grew up in a, with some alcoholics in my family and a lot of addiction around me in the neighborhood that I grew up in and in my house, which a lot of people don't know about me unless they listen to a lot of my content. But I started to understand it's, well, we all know it's a coping mechanism, but it's so numbing. And I don't like to feel numbed out. I, I don't, I used to think, oh, my head, it just, I have so many ideas. And I didn't understand really how, what, what a grateful thing that is that I am to have so many just buzzing at my head is constantly thinking about new ideas. And I don't need to shut that off because like you said, then if we're trying to escape or numb ourselves out with something, you know, alcohol mm-hmm. being one of the go-tos that mm-hmm. we're not as present, we're not connected with the people that or our clients, or it affects all the areas of our life. It's also harder to work out. You feel more, I feel more tired the next day. And I've had for a long time that I didn't drink during the week. It's mm-hmm. been like a rule for me for, you know, it, like even since college. And That's I would great. only have a few drinks on the weekend. I didn't really drink in high school because of I was so, so worried that I was going to become addicted. Like mm. I saw a lot of people mm-hmm. do uh, in my community that I grew up in. And <clears throat> I think now it's maybe once every two weeks or something. Sometimes I forget That's good. that I even didn't, uh, that I haven't fully gone off of it. I keep saying I'm, I might <laughs> because I feel, what is, what is this? I think as as people become more successful, something that I've noticed for myself that I start to question, what am I gaining from this? Exactly. And and for me, when I took it out, I started realizing benefits that I didn't know I could have without it. And and one of the biggest thing the the benefit for me was actually during the day I was experiencing physical anxiety at times. I had a like talking about the the ideas. I'm like that too. And I love my ideas. I don't want to shut that down. I like that I have a lot of creative thoughts and and I feel like so- solving problems makes me happy. But I can also ruminate on things. Like, you know, you I think you were talking about something similar earlier, but I sometimes would, you know, read an email and then it would just be spinning in my head for the next few hours or whatever. And so now I have more control over that. And it's it, it's sort of a thing that I didn't realize alcohol was affecting that. So drinking in the evenings was affecting the way I showed up during the day when I wasn't drinking, but it was still changing the way my brain functioned. And so, um, yeah, there's a lot, lot to unpack in, in that whenever you wow. do uh, want to cut back or quit. Reframe app is great. I have a promo code I could share if that's of interest, but, um, get you a free month of it or whatever, but it's, I've been doing it now 
more than the year that I've quit drinking. I did it for a while just as a cutback because they have an option where you can just just tracking alone. Nice. If 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 you're somebody that needs to cut back, then yeah, it works really well. Yes, I I mean I think my body. I also give myself grace because of the alcoholism within my bloodline mm-hmm. that it's I've read is in your DNA and and you I actually crave it. Every now and then, I think the more I abstain, the less it happens. But I also give myself a lot of grace when that happens. Like that, that's yeah. not even my fault. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. But I can still choose how I'm going to respond to it. Absolutely. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could go into that for a long time. Uh, what are the top three tips do you think? I want to shift a little bit to delegating of when you hire VAs or business associates? What do you think people need to keep in mind or walk away with understanding? For me, it is about aligning on values. So obviously, you you want to find people that have a certain skill set for the role that you're hiring for. You need to make sure they have the availability. There are a lot of those very important pieces to the puzzle. But the core thing for me is core values. And when we're interviewing, we're actually starting out with are stating what our core values are, asking our candidates to share what that means to them and tell us a story about how they demonstrated it. And we do that before we even get into what's your experience with, you know, managing social media or all of the other things that we might delegate. So I would say, make sure that you can align on that first, align on values. You Each of us have our own values. And so if you can define them in writing and be able to you know, use those as, as a guide for the questions, if you're interviewing someone, if you're doing a direct hire, that's great. Um, the other thing to that I would say, you asked for three tips, but I think, mm-hmm. I think one other part is if you're considering hiring an assistant or anyone else versus going with an agency, uh, one of the ways that an agency can help with that, and obviously I, I'm biased in this because we do, you know, I run an agency, but um, it builds a trust bridge because that's the thing that I think a lot of leaders are afraid of is, well, how do I know if I can trust this person, particularly a remote worker they may not ever see in person. It may feel uncomfortable or like not secure. Those kinds of things are really important. So if you can use an agency, there's a little bit of a bridge, or maybe it's a referral from someone you already trust. So looking for a way to create that or to find the trust bridge between you and, and particular candidates can be really powerful as well. Um, and then lastly, like really, again, back to the skill set, you really want to test them as much as you can. People can say they know how to do certain things, but ask for examples um, require a written assessment of some kind. We we have an assessment where we're asking questions about how they problem solve. So we're getting to see how they would solve problems, but we're also gauging how well is their written communication because that's critical for uh, this role as well. So um, those would be the top three ways that I would approach hiring any kind of candidate for either a VA or another business role. Those are all amazing tips and strategies for that. I didn't even think about making some kind of questionnaire with how to how they would problem solve. Mm-hmm. And that also tests for their written communication. That's just brilliant. Yeah. And one additional little tip would be to use Grammarly to go check those answers for plagiarism because uh, we have caught people that were mm-hmm. applying that did it did that too, where they would just Google our question 
they would copy and paste and put it in and we would find it. And it's like, okay, well, we know we don't need to move forward with that candidate because they used it. But Grammarly has plagiarism detection. So mm, <laughs> nice little additional uh, checkpoint. <laughs> yeah. And also probably they, they might use chat GPT or or Jasper, some kind of AI. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And those, I, I honestly don't know um, if Grammarly can detect plagiarism in that sense. I don't know how ChatGPT produces the content. I would assume that in some cases it's going to be plagiarized, but um, yeah, I'm not sure how that works. I would still, think so. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it's still somehow from the internet. Right. Right. I would think. And Amber L. Gray, before we, I love your name that you're. <laughs> Thank you. There's a, uh, there's a Broadway actress named Amber Gray. So I'm trying to get my Google juice for Amber L. Gray instead of Amber Gray. It's really so she's, great. She's owning it out there. She's, she's doing a great job at, uh, on Broadway. <laughs> I understand. There's an Allison Ramsey architect that's doing an incredible job. I think job. I saw that when I Googled yeah, you. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Like go her, you know, that she has great SEO and in a few times we've succumbed or gotten above her on SEO, but she's just doing amazing. Before we hop off, what do you think are the the three things to keep in mind when you're starting to delegate? The number one thing is to prepare before delegation because a lot of, you know, you might be on one end of a spectrum. You're either holding on to all of it and don't want to let it go, or you're ready to get rid of it and you just dump it over to someone that is not necessarily going to help you. And so becoming really aware of what you need. You don't have to have all of it documented. Make a loom, you know, a video screen recording showing someone how you do the thing. Um, You don't have to have it so buttoned up and and perfect, but know what you need, first of all, and um, work together with the person that you're hiring to understand their quirks. Like what are their communication style? What What's their work style? What are some ways that you can support each other? Because an assistant, even though, you know, we might think of an assistant as someone that is just supposed to take the things we give them and not question, they're actually a really great accountability partner. If you say, I have been skipping lunch for a lot, a lot of days here, and they might notice, okay, well, I'm going to make sure we protect your lunch hour to make sure you eat and take care of your body first. So there are a lot of ways a VA can be your accountability partner too. So I would I would definitely say align on what you need, communicate clearly with that person to understand how you can work well with them and start working on yourself and how to communicate your expectations. Give feedback frequently. Don't be afraid to give critical feedback. And and I guess that would that would be the third thing is really focusing on giving feedback all the time instead of waiting until something goes wrong and then feeling nervous and uncomfortable about approaching them to say, hey, this missed the mark. So if you're giving feedback, positive, negative, celebrating the wins together, recognizing when it missed the mark, talking about it in real time, they're going to be more receptive. And um, also asking them, hey, can you give me some feedback? How am I doing? Because then that gives you a chance to model what receiving feedback looks like. And ultimately, all of this is about increasing trust in the partnership with your assistant. So those are those are the big things for me. Those are amazing. And I do that with my team. We, a lot of positive wins and a lot of uh, more, I guess, critical feedback. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Or it's still positive in a way. I try to be as kind as and supportive as possible. 
But um, like we just hired a, a writer on the team a few months ago and she was starting some sentences with but and that are like and or but. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a writer by any means, even though I'm a best-selling author. <laughs> but I was like, it just doesn't <laughs> look quite right. You know, and it, it, we, wanna, we want it to be really polished and professional. So I needed to communicate more, like don't start sentences with and or but because it, that just shows us as more polished and professional mm-hmm. and, and better communicators. She was like, oh my gosh, I, I didn't realize. And because we have seen that on, on a lot of blogs because you're trying to make it more personal, like it's a conversation, mm-hmm. but I personally want it to be very professional. Yeah. Well, Grammarly can help with that too. That's that's true. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I've done that. a lot when I've when I've worked with someone that shared something with me that didn't have the grammar like I wanted. I I've got Grammarly loaded in, so I see all the red squiggle lines and I know that there's some mistakes that would be easy to correct. And the way I can give that feedback is just say, "Hey, great tool, free option available to you. Try Grammarly and you'll be able to capture all this stuff." And so sometimes giving feedback is also teaching. Um, And I'm a big fan of a James Clear quote that says that um, if the trick to receiving feedback is to view it as a gift, and it really is a gift because we're, we need others perspectives to better understand ourselves. That inward stuff we were talking about earlier only gets you so far. You still also need some outside (laughs) perspective too. Yeah. So, so it was so great having you on today, Amber. Thank Thank you you so much. I've enjoyed it. Good conversation. (laughs) 